When traders tell us how to make Thinkorswim even better, we listen. They asked for a version they could access anywhere, no download necessary. We heard them. And when they asked to execute a preset trade strategy in seconds, we said absolutely. Feedback like this inspired us to build Thinkorswim Web, and it continues to push us. So our entire suite of platforms never stops getting better. Because platforms this innovative aren't just made for traders, they're made by them. Thinkorswim Trading from TD Ameritrade. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. We are here with Ativa Madian. Uh, he is going to discuss quite a bit. We have, we're going to talk about that uh, thing that happened on Wednesday. And then he has some other stuff to tell you. Welcome aboard. Ativa, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am doing fine. I think, however, I need to tell people who you are. So Atiba Madian is a political analyst, author, and former deputy executive director of the National Black Caucus of State Legislators. Madian is one of the Democratic strategists who helped Senator-elect Reverend Rafael Warnock of Georgia. He's a Washington insider and president of Party Politics U.S. He has been featured and seen in The Hill, Financial Times, and Boston Globe. My friend, I am honored to have you on the show. I know you have a whole lot to talk about. So let's go ahead and start about that ruckus that we had on Wednesday. And I don't call it a ruckus. I call it exactly what it is. The attempt, I'm from Central America. It is the, that is what we see in what most Americans call banana republics. That's what we see down there. It had the exact view, no difference. Your thoughts on that? Listen, when I was a kid, first off, thank you for having me. And uh, I just want to say, when I was a child, I had opportunity to live overseas. My father's job took us to live in Bamako, Mali for two years. And I'll never forget, we left in May of 1983. And in June 1983, there was a coup or an attempted coup. And I cannot help but think that what we just saw happen last Wednesday was an attempted coup. You mentioned about Banana Republic. We saw an insurrection. We saw a bunch of people get together who normally we might see something happen in another country. And we're like, who are those crazies? Well, the crazies were right here. And, um, you know, this whole idea of patriotism, that is traitors. These were traitors that we saw, traitors who are upset because of the outcome of an, of an election. But I think that we also have to get to the crux and we aren't talking enough about what was it because we keep wanting to say that Trump was the beginning of this. I think we really have to look deeper in terms of further past racism. Is it racism? Yes. Is there sexism? Yes. Um, is there elitism? Yes. We got to get deeper to this because I think that the the, the corrupt things that we keep seeing, their root of it is always money and, and not being able to access money or opportunity. And we, we've got to talk about this, I think, in a, in, a, in, a, in a larger sense. Now, Ativa, before we even get there, I want to, I want to make our audience aware of something because a lot of, a lot of folks see some of the stuff, the initial thing that they see on TV, and they just see a whole rowdy bunch of people attacking, a, you know, breaking a few glass glasses, etc. At, um, at the Capitol. But I want the people to understand that we had people's lives really at risk. We had pipe bombs, we had Molotov cocktails, we had all these things that were, we had people that had ties to uh, kidnap, we, we had all these things that would be present in a coup. And it just happened to be that it was poorly 
prepared. They were poorly prepared. They got overwhelmed and they didn't get their job done. But I think it is important for people to understand that the coup attempt was real. Um, now, let you, you you pointed out earlier. I, I one other thing. Go ahead. They also had a biological weapon available. Oh, that's new to me. Please enlighten me. COVID. Oh, oh, <laughs> my friend, that is so true. Uh, expl explain that for those who are going to be hard to, to take that. Let them Listen, they're, they're saying that there were 8,000 people. We know that this virus that has plagued us is it's, 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 it's rampant throughout our society. We've got almost 400,000 people dead from, you know, my uncle has been in the hospital with COVID, 93 years old. His daughter is now in the hospital because she went to go care for her father because a caregiver came to their home with a cold, thinking they just had a cold, and it turned out to be COVID. So now imagine 8,000 people descending on the Capitol, many of them not wearing masks, though we know that there is a mask mandate in D.C. Many of them not um, uh, social distancing because they were all clamored right. all together. And then we see now that there are several congressional members, um, including a 75-year-old uh, congressional woman who is a breast cancer uh, thriver, survivor. So these people came into the Capitol. They possibly spread a virus amongst themselves, let alone also to congressional members. And now it's also getting to us that these congressional members that were in a room, close quarters, who declined to wear a mask because they were like, let's not get political about this, actually did not want to wear masks Potentially because should someone, these insurrectionists, these people attempting a coup had come into the room, they would have known that, oh, they're with us because they're not wearing a mask. It is crazy. I blogged about that one. Yeah, you're talking about Bonnie Watson Coleman. She's the one who got infected. And then there's uh, uh, Pravi, uh, pra Jayapal, Pramila Jayapal from Washington. She got infected. She's same room. And a couple of other uh, Congress people got infected because of all these folks not wearing masks. And uh, so, so that is interesting. I want to remind folks, you know, people think that uh, we are so exceptional, right? These, these things don't happen here. They, they need to remember that back in 1933, on, they also tried a coup against uh, Franklin Roosevelt. So, I mean, it is, it is one thing to kind of think these things don't happen here. But as you mentioned earlier in your statement, um, uh, Atiba, you mentioned that a lot of this has to do with money. A lot of this happened to do with certain folks with money making investment to ensure that what they are doing remains preeminent. So uh, I think that is important for people to understand. Uh, you, I blogged about that this morning. Folks can look it up at egbertowillies.com. Anyhow, um, what do you think is going to be the aftermath of uh, this in, in, um, insurrection? You know, for four years, every day I pick up the phone, wary to figure out, okay, what has the idiot done? And so I, I, whenever I do these interviews, people keep asking me, what do I think is going to happen? The problem has been, it's been difficult to chart what is going to happen next, what we do know. I'm Robert Conte, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. I have an urgent message. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities have increased in D.C., and I need your help to reverse this troubling trend. Did you know that using a seatbelt can drastically reduce the risk of death or serious injury to you or a loved one? Seatbelts save lives, and together we can accomplish a safer community. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Always wear your seatbelt. 
click it or tick it. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. And, and your listeners um, already know they're credible threats on, on our state capitals. What a lot of people don't know is that there were attacks on those very state capitals on January 6th too. Everyone's attention was focused on the U.S. Capitol, but there were um, uh, attacks on Michigan. Michigan was Georgia, Utah, and other state um, legislatures around the country. This thing is real, but yet at the same time, the democracy is still intact. And it will still remain intact. What we were looking to see is what's going to happen on January 20th because we have a transfer of power. We don't know what uh, Trump is going to do within the next six days. But what we can do is we can remain vigilant. We can um, make sure, you know, the, you see those signs at the airport or when you're traveling that says, if you see something, say something. You know, if there have been a lot of people that have been turning in people who were who they recognize faces, including people saying that that was their, you know, uncle, et cetera. So there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of things that we don't know, but there are a lot of things that I think that we have to um, keep focused on. And I'll say, say this last, Congressman John Lewis, and we had his um, chief of staff, former chief of staff on our podcast last night, Chalkboard Conversations. But he wrote in my book in 20 years ago, with faith and hope, keep your eyes on the prize. And I'll be honest, as a 28-year-old young man at the time, I had, did not quite grasp exactly what he meant. But over the course of last year, working on the election, working to see where we got to in January um, 5th, the day before the insurrection, the attempted coup, I have come to, to understand that it is important for us to keep our faith, keep up the hope, and keep your eyes on the prize. What is the prize? We want to end racism. We want to end sexism. We want to end all these things, but we cannot do that if we continue to allow ourselves to be distracted by those who, who are trying to hold this country back from moving forward. But we're getting there, and, and, and what happens in the dark comes out in the light. What happened on January 6th is come out in the light. We know what, what, what our opposition is now. We know we have to go after it and fight it. Now, there's something that, that was evident. Most or, or the majority Amer the, the majority American population, when they saw the uh, when they saw what was occurring, they immediately saw, oh my God, there's something they're attacking the the Congress, the Capitol. What folks like me saw. I looked at that and I said, how did they get there? How come some of these cops are opening the gates? How comes these cops are being so friendly? Didn't I remember during the BLM protest in DC that there were guards in the streets and they were met with, with uh, explosives and uh, whatever, uh, shock explosives, et cetera? Of course I remembered that. America got to see themselves doing wrong and how the police reacted to them versus BLM. What are your thoughts on that? What was your first instinct when you saw it? 
that that brings up a lot of different things. Um, so please let thing, let it fly, please. I'm 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 really curious about it. The first thing is the same thing that I started off every call last week with. Um, clients and most of the clients that I report to are white and I said yesterday it was a travesty it was a shame to watch but you know that if and they all finished my sentence all to a T a T but we know if they had been black this would not have happened so I think a lot of things are coming out and it's easier for people to say the very things that we have been saying for instance when Black Lives Matter protesters when all that was going on last year, I got in my car and I drove around that night through Georgetown in Washington, D.C. You know, that's where a lot of our stores are. That's where high end st- or higher end stores. It's where the, the river is. It's very, you know, nice area. And I am not lying to you. I saw police officers not making themselves present. They were as if they were hiding out, waiting for someone to come, young black men, as was my assumption, to pounce on them. What we also saw in the city was buildings boarded up, storefronts boarded up, National Guardsmen in the city. This was before people got to the city. January 6th, they knew that there was going to be people coming to the White House. Lafayette Park, which has been closed throughout most of Trump's presidency, was all of a sudden opened up. They had closed it up because they didn't want homeless people there. They didn't want any credible threats. They were the threat and they did not feel threatened, so they opened it up. So we see the difference in the contrast. This is not just about black and white. It's not just about uh, racism. It's about something that's really ugly at the core of who I keep hearing the president-elect say, this is not America. I hear congressional members saying, this is not America. This is America. This is the America that the slave, this is the America that women, this is the America that immigrants, this is the America we have talked to you about. That these mobs that destroyed Tulsa, that destroyed uh, 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 cities all around the country, Rosewood, um, Chicago, through riots. It's one thing when it's them with their pipe bombs, with their sticks, with their guns. It's another thing when it's just us with a mask, just begging. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now, Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on Internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible x gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. 
touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. For equality. Stop killing me. Right. Stop killing my son. Stop killing me. Stop banging open my door where in, in my home and shooting and killing me. Stop putting your knee on my neck. That's what this is. So now the rest of the world sees it. The now rest it, of the world sees what we've been saying. Now it is interesting because I, on, on my program yesterday, I made I gave folks an example. I said, when I walk into a store, there are people following me. When a white person work, walk into the store, a lot of times they get a pass. Nobody really cares. I said, that is, that is a, that points to something important. You don't realize the reason profiling never works is that person who is not profiled understand that they are the ones who can do the crime. And if you ever doubt that, go take a look at all those people that get, go, go to court, get a good lawyer as a person of color, where you are able to go to the section that gives probation and look at the people in that section compared to the people who will be head in the jails who've done the same crime. And you'd learn exactly what America is. Yeah. Profiling doesn't work. And profiling is exactly what happened, again, for this insurrection. They profile those people that were coming from around the world, either of one things, that they weren't going to be causing enough problems or that they really wanted them to be successful in the particular problem that they were going to cause. Your thoughts? It's true. It's true. Well, it's up to us to keep telling our story and not wait for someone else to tell it. Like often I hear people, well, they don't talk about this. Well, you talk about it. Make America Great Again became a slogan. It became a slogan because someone kept saying it over and over and over again. Misinformation became the norm because someone kept giving it over and over and over again. So it's up to us to tell the truth. And I think part of that truth is to say, they ain't never been for you. You came to Washington, you came up and you're angry at the wrong people. The people that you need to be angry with are the very people that got you all riled up. And they got you riled up so much because they've been lying to you. They keep promising you about this dream. Well, let us tell you about the dream deferred. They keep telling you that, you know, they're the nightmare. It's pointing to us. When the, uh, the nightmare is the people that keep rallying you up. It's no different, honestly. Hopefully I can do a good comparison of the white citizen councils in the South and the KKK. The white citizen council, those were the ones who had the money. The KKK, those were the ones who were, you know, the sheriffs, the police chiefs, et cetera. The white citizen council, they didn't necessarily have to wear a hood because they were hiding behind their money. They were the ones who were rallying up the KKK and the sheets to go out and do their damage, to be the mob. That's what you saw happen, in my opinion, on January 6th. The white citizen council, Trump came out, riled up the masses. Giuliani riled up the masses and the other ones who got on the stage. But the KKK, decided we're not going to wear our hoods anymore. We're not even going to wear our masks because that's a political statement. We want you to see us. Thank you, because now your picture and your faces are everywhere. You and can't that, even get on a plane in some cases. That is what's so funny. They're not all that smart because now the same person who sent them all out 
is getting them all arrested. Is getting the, they're all getting records, and their lives are forever changed. Now, let me. Uh, we're kind of getting close to in this thing, so let's talk a little bit about uh, party politics. So let, tell me a little bit about what you do, and then tell me a little bit about your book. Sure. So, party politics was the idea that was was started hanging out with some friends in 20, 2009, 2010, Not too long after Obama was president, because we had his Tea Party. So you want to talk about insurrection, you had an insurrection within the Republican Party of the Tea Party. And it became this thing where the parties weren't talking to each other. It was a bigger split between the Republicans and the Democrats, even though that was going on way before, um, thanks to Newt Gingrich and some others. And the idea was, how do you bring people together from different sides, whether that it was religious, sexual orientation, national origin, together? And the way that you see behind me, it says party politics. It was, how do you put the party before the politics. So how do you make it fun, attract people together to have these conversations? And um, the party is, is a play on words. You know, people often think of party politics as being divisive. It was, how do we make party politics become inclusive? So I'll just give you an example. Back in February 26th of 2020, before everything got shut down, um, thanks to um, Coca-Cola, we hosted an event at L2 Lounge in, in Georgetown in Washington, D.C., a very nice, beautiful, posh place. We invited people. We had Joe Claire, who's a radio personality, to host it. And we showed a movie by a uh, film director, amazing film, um, uh, Mignote Kabibi, who wrote, did a film called What Happened to Chocolate City? And it talks about gentrification. We had a really diverse audience. We had other partners that helped us to invite people. We had probably about... 250 people, we were able to give, thanks to Coca-Cola, we had drinks and food for everyone, so we had the party. And then we showed this film, which is two hours, and no one wanted to leave because the film is that good. And we talked about gentrification afterwards. And to be honest with you, we were going until 10, 11 o'clock, and the conversation was so good. And we had some of the people that she interviewed for that film there, including a, a woman, a young lady who's now older, but was 14 years old when she felt, when she was filming this, and it was just, it was a phenomenal event. And it really just spoke to the idea that you can make things fun and bring people together to have di difficult conversations. And people might not always agree, but if they come together and they have that food in their stomach, maybe a little bit of drink too, they're a little <laughs> bit calmer and the conversations go a little bit more gentler and people end up finding that they have more in common than, they, than, than different. That is a great organization. Uh, we'll put that in the link as well after we um, air your show. And tell me about your book. So I wrote a book called, it's called Saving Grace. And the main character's name is Anthony Grace. And the book is um, based here in DC and it covers politics. It has some romance and some DC history in it. And the idea too is going back to that idea, make it fun. So the feedback that I'm getting from people, from friends now are, um, when is this going to be a movie? Uh, you know, I've wrote it, but I'm going to tell you it's well-written story. Um, and it's taken a lot of the experiences that I've seen over the years working in politics, blended it into a story about an environmental attorney who's been kidnapped. And the story starts off with him not knowing why he's been kidnapped. He's been hit so many times. And as he regains his memory, the reader learns who he is and that this is all attached to a rising political star. Excellent. Well, El Señor Atiba Magian, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right, but I usually ask one last question before I go, and it goes as follows. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you? 
<laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it always stumps a few. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's because kind of, you asked some really great questions. Um, maybe ask me what I think, um, should the inauguration be inside or outside? Go for it. I think it should be inside. And I actually think it should be at an undisclosed location. I think that the transfer of power and that what's going on right now is too important and too significant to try to um, be arrogant and say, oh, we're gonna show um, the example of our power by standing in your face and doing such and such. Regardless of where President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris are when they take that oath of office, they are going to be, he's gonna be the 46th president of the United States. And I would like to see that happen in the safest manner um, that is also protecting our former heads of state and the congressional members who will be in attendance to witness uh, the transfer of power in this country. Because unfortunately, we cannot say this is a peaceful transfer. What happened on January 6th is more than evident that this is not a peaceful transfer. Ative Madian, Washington insider and president of Party Politics US. He has been featured on uh, at The Hill, Financial Times, and Boston Globe. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you for having me. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support because we know you have people depending on you so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district, and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelts save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or ticket.